Skycast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's episode, all change. Old Dame Hertha casts off her Zimmer frame and undergoes a magical Melisandre-type transformation in her exciting summer tryst with Bruno Labbadia. All good, five-star Bayern Munich are flick system addicts. They can never get enough of winning this week against Düsseldorf. And all over, or is it? David Wagner's Schalke crashed to another defeat at home to the much-improved Werder Bremen. Veterans Kevin Hatchard and Christoph Beermann, the Peter Pekarik and Veda Bisevich of the Stahlkast pod, respectively, are here to talk about all of these Bundesliga stories, as well as the messages in support of Black Lives Matters by Weston McKenney, Marcus Turam, Jaden Sancho and Ashraf Hakimi. Remember, you can read all of The Athletic's German football and non-German football coverage for 40% off. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Bundesliga spec. Right, gents, lots to talk about today. I guess it reflects just how football has come back because the fact that there were no fans is, is no longer really uh, the most important, most interesting thing to talk about. Um, there were some very good performances from Bayern, from Dortmund, uh, Schalke Lesso, and of course also the Black Lives Matter protests by Jaden Sancho, Ashraf Hakimi, Weston McKenney, and Marcus Turam. But I think we should start with, with Schalke because with them it's Groundhog Day, isn't it? Um, a sense that here's another restart, another manager trying to sort things out and he has all but failed. I mean, that's how, how it feels at the moment, Kevin. Yeah, and I think what's a shame about it from Schalke's point of view is they have a coach in David Wagner who preached positivity, who preached an attacking style when he first arrived at the club. And unfortunately, he's reverted to type. And uh, the last couple of games, I think, have really underlined this. So the moment that I kind of lost my feeling that he's taking this club forward or has an opportunity to do so was when he threw big Salif Sané, the centre-back, up front for the closing stages of the Fortuna Dusseldorf game. And I just thought that was such a paucity of imagination. Um, and I, if I was a player in that squad, in that dressing room, I'd be looking at the coach and thinking, is that really all you have? Is that uh, the, the, the bottom of the barrel that we've reached? And it didn't really get much better against Werder Bremen. Wagner talked about chances that they missed in the second half. But the truth of it is, in the first half, um, Werder Bremen, who were in the bottom two still, let's not forget, wiped the floor with them. And although they did improve after half time, it was very much safety first, uh, a game plan full of fear in that first half. And I just think Schalke fans will look at this and having given Wagner the benefit of the doubt for a while, I think they'll be starting to turn. Yeah, I would give him the benefit of the doubt as far as the makeshift strikers concerned, because we have seen Ronald Koeman do the same with Virgil van Dijk. Mourinho, I think, used to do it with uh, Robert Hood. Even Pep Guardiola once played Javi Martinez uh, as a battling ram uh, when he needed to. But um, I think the wider point about Schalke just being so negative and destructive is is really telling. And he seems to be convinced somehow that there's absolutely no other way of playing at the moment. Um, 
Do you agree, Christoph? I mean, they had like, I think, 20% or 22% possession of the ball in the um, in the beginning of the match. And we're talking not about an opponent like, uh, let's say, Borussia Dortmund or, or Bayern Munich or so that is overwhelmingly uh, the, the better team, but against Werder Bremen. And I think that is uh, way too cautious, even if uh, Wagner has, I think, a lot of arguments uh, for him, a lot of important and uh, influential players from the last, uh, first half of the season are still missing. For example, Suat Serda, Omar Mascarell and, and, and others. But that's that can't be the whole explanation for what's going on at Schalke. To bring it on a, maybe a bit another level or give it another perspective, there seems to be something, I would say, almost toxic about uh, Schalke at the moment. There is so much negative. There are the laughingstock of German football, a bit like uh, Hamburg uh, used to be before they went down to uh, the second division. And that has also to oh, do Hertha with... until recently. Yeah, but Hertha, no, Hertha not so much over such a long time. Uh, Hertha was, yeah, obviously, uh, we, here we laughed a bit, a lot about them, but, uh, but Hamburg was over many years. They, uh, they were like the big club underperforming, underperforming until they went down to the second division. And, and it's a bit the same with Schalke right now. Also, that when the break came, um, that Schalke was the first uh, club where everybody was behind the scene whispering, oh, they could be uh, the first club to go out of business. They have uh, two, they are 200 millions in, in debts and, and so on. And so altogether, it's a picture of a very badly run football club over over many years and uh, it's uh, it feels a bit like as if this actual crisis is is only another peak of so many crises over the last years the question is will it be different in the sense of how Schalke react i mean the usual modus operandi would be to fire the manager now point the 22nd manager since hoop stevens that includes um, caretaker managers to be fair and then fire him a year later Do you think that Jochen Schneider, the sporting director's promise to keep David Wagner in the job, will A, be fulfilled and will be in the long run, maybe do work out and bring some sort of stability? I, I still like to believe in Wagner and his his positive ways when it comes to dealing the players, even if we don't see that much on the pitch at the moment, uh, Christoph? I think it helps that the stadium is empty right now. And I don't mean it as a joke. Uh, because if if there would uh, uh, would be fans in the stadium, I think Wagner uh, would have been sacked uh, this weekend. Uh, because I think the the pressure from the terraces, the pressure from the stadium, the pressure from the uh, the crowd would be overwhelming, and so they have a chance to. Uh, maybe get to the end of the season with him and and uh, do this uh, their own project restart uh, next season and, and they can be lucky that they already have 37 points i think if it would be only two or three points less they had to think about uh, changing the manager right now i think wagner has to start now i think he has to feel that this is an opportunity. I think Christoph's right. They're not going to get delegated. They still do have an opportunity to get Europa League football. But if he wants to be the coach of Schalke long term, I think he has to rip up the plan 
and try and reorganise the team in some way that will please the fans and will bring that positivity back. Ahmed Kutuju, the young striker, he could do worse than starting him. He needs to play a much more attacking game, and he actually has speedy players in attack that could allow him to do that. So I think Wagner could still save himself, but it has to start with him, and it has to start now. It wouldn't be a Starcast pod without you um, seeing the praises of Ahmed Kutucho, Kevin. To name check him Official again. ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> one one manager who is certainly having success at the moment is Bruno Labadia, who's become the second best manager of the restart. Three wins, one very creditable draw against Leipzig. Mekherta, one of the informed sides. And for once, uh, we can't laugh about them. I actually have to admire their solidity, their performances, their stability. It is a real good football team. What has happened, Kevin? Well, I think, you know, you compare it with what's happening at Schalke. What Bruno Labbadia has gone in and done is he's given a talented squad a solid framework to work from. And what they've done is they've tightened up at the back. They're making fewer mistakes. I think Dedrick Boyata has been absolutely magnificent at the heart of that defence. And what that does is it gives the attacking players licence to go and play their game. Almost every decision that he's made has paid off. So playing Vera Dabisevic uh, at the top of the pitch has made a massive difference. He's looked revitalised and he's been a real leader from there. Uh, I think the shape of the midfield has been good. And I think that what you have there is a guy that is known as a relegation firefighter, but he's done more than that. He's gone in, he's given them belief, he's given them structure, but also there is that freedom for those attacking players to go and express themselves. And that's been uh, an incredible combination. They weren't perfect against Augsburg. It needed Rooney Arstein to make a magnificent tip onto the bar uh, from a Marco Richter shot at 1-0. But they are looking a bit more ruthless now. It's great to see. And he's really activated some of the veterans, some of the players who offer very little added value in the <laughs> um, view of Jürgen Klinsmann and his dossier. <laughs> uh, we've seen the likes of um, Pekarik come back and Sjöbret and uh, even Jarstein, who had a bit of a wobble back in goal. Ibisevic up front. I mean, it, it's it's sort of counterintuitive for a team or club that wants to be the 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 startup who wants to be young, fresh, innovative, but the slightly more old school sort of crafty approach from Labadia seems to be paying off, Christoph. Yeah, but I think they're only too happy at Hertha. If, if Labadia brings a startup feeling or not, that at least they are uh, playing decent football and it's 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 entertaining uh, to see and. And uh, but 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 Kevin already said it all. I mean, Labadia he got a collection of not so bad players. And before that, it was only a collection of not so bad players because obviously the coaches before him were not able to put the pieces together. And he very intelligently and carefully put, put these pieces together. And here we go. And we, here we have a, a, an interesting team to watch with some very good and for, for, for the standard of the Bundesliga, even outstanding players like Kunja, uh, for example. He knows how to deal with, with guys like Ibizovic. I think it's not easy, but he, he knew him from his, his time at Stuttgart. And uh, yeah, here we go. Here we have a, a, a Hertha team where at, 
at least for now we don't have a chance to joke about them. Yeah, it'll take some getting used to not being able to um, make any snide <laughs> comments about Hertha. But um, it's good for them. They're shedding their reputation and so is CPAPs, uh, which would make them a good good match after all. Um, today's column in The Athletic uh, sheds a bit more light on the situation. If you want to know more about them, go and have a look. Uh, before we go on to rather more serious matters, I think it's only worth making a point that it's been a very good week for Bayern. Uh, not only did they beat Dortmund to effectively clinch the title, but they then followed up with a sort of performance that I think shows just what a difference Hansi Flick has made. A 5-0 demolition of Dusseldorf. Voisla saying that the pitch was too quick for us. I think he probably meant Bayern's players. <laughs> um, but also a kind Speed of grass. relentlessness. And, yeah, exactly. A kind of relentlessness and hunger that um, hasn't always been there in the post-Guardiola years. Chris, I've done if you've had a chance uh, looking at, at Bayern, but uh, it is impressive what they're playing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and it's fun also. Uh, and it's it's hard for me to, to say that because I'm a bit frustrated uh, or, or be, uh, have, have become a bit frustrated over the years by... Bayern uh, winning everything and and see them uh, taking away the the uh, the German Championship and, and very often the cup as well um, in in the last uh, 10 15 20 years but now I, I think I'm a, um, personally I'm a bit at peace uh, with uh, what I see because it's it, it's actually so much fun I mean Alfonso Davis maybe <laughs> he was he, he was just fantastic against Fortuna Düsseldorf but also to see Thomas Müller being reinvented. And there is something genuine, positive and likable about, about this team, even uh, especially also with guys like Leon Goretzka and Serge Gnabry for, for what they um, are doing off the field. And, and so uh, 2020 FC Bayern also with, the, uh, with a very humble coach. That is fun to watch. Okay, it's... Uh, it's difficult for me to moan about them. I think what we're seeing as well is a mix between that quality on the ball and that desire without it. And I think we saw that in De Classica. Uh, an incredible amount of work went in um, pressing and, and trying to win that ball back. And uh, they look so at ease when they switch from defence to attack as well. But also, I think there's a little bit of echoes of Pep Guardiola's work because I think if you look at the ease with which, uh, say, Joshua Kimmich has slotted into midfield uh, from right back, he was always a player that Pep Guardiola really believed in and really kind of boosted psychologically if you listen to the way Kimmich uh, talks about his work with Pep Guardiola. And also David Alaba, I think the way he switched into central defence, I think, you know, Pep did a lot of work with the players in making them more flexible. We saw what happened with Philip Lahm for example, uh, when he switched into midfield. Uh, and I think that has really helped to set Bayern up for the future. Obviously, Hansi Flick has done an incredible job and most of the credit uh, should go to him. But I think there's a little bit of pep in there still. I just thought when I was listening to what Kevin was saying is maybe we have a, a similarity here between Hansi Flick and Bruno Labbadia. It's one of the key abilities of coaches to to see what you have and then to try to put the puzzle together. I mean, sometimes you have the situation 
situation where you you come you are somewhere and over the years with your ideas you have to chance to develop a team that is molded after after your ideas but very often you come in and then you have to see what what do i have here and what can i do to to make the best out of it and um, for example putting as as kevin already said for example david alaba uh, 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 back in in defense as a, as a center back someone who probably has seen himself over the years more as a number six or a number eight or so and and to see him there as a as a perfect uh, uh, fit Uh, that is good. That is good coaches' work. Champion select, Champions League winners as well. Kevin, how good are they in the European context, do you think? I think they have to be seen as one of the favourites because I think they've gone up several levels uh, since the start of the season. Uh, and I think it, this is something you've alluded to uh, several times this season, Rafa. There was a feeling that some of the senior players maybe weren't sure about Niko Kovac's ability to produce that extra 10% in these Champions League games, certainly in terms of the attacking play, in terms of the variation in attack. I think Bayern look a lot more dangerous going forward now. Uh, I think they look a lot more solid in defence. I think that belief is there as well. I think Christoph's absolutely right as well as a fun factor, uh, which has uh, flooded back into their play. At the start of the season, I thought they were uh, fringe contenders, but I now genuinely think they are right up there with the best teams in the competition and they have that momentum. The interesting thing is going to be how do they maintain that momentum between the end of the Bundesliga season and the start of the Champions League. In Germany, I, I, you can expect the Bundesliga to be finished on uh, the end of June and then there is one week later is a German Cup final very likely also with Bayern Munich being involved, then they will have their kind of summer break in one way or another until the um, the rest of the Champions League will be played out. And the teams from England and uh, from, from Italy, Spain or wherever, they will have their season finished later and this will probably fit into the beginning of the um, Champions League. So I think it will be a big disadvantage for Bayern that they are in the, let's say, regular pattern of the Bundesliga uh, or the uh, the calendar right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how, they, how they'll manage that. Um, incidentally, I don't think the problem was that uh, the players weren't sure about Kovac's coaching ability. I think they were sure. That was, that was the problem. <laughs> um, anyway, the... Um, uh, Anyway, let's move on to some matters that transcended the importance on the pitch. Uh, we saw, starting with Weston McKenney during the Schalke game and then later with Jaden Sancho and Ashraf Hakimi and Marcus Turam on Sunday, four players um, showing the support for the Black Lives Matter movement in the US with uh, gestures and messages on the pitch. Now, what I found um, interesting about this, apart from the fact, of course, that the players... Um, felt that they should make the point and were, were courageous in the sense that they did it, was the reaction, as far as we can tell, seemed to be very positive and supportive around them. We saw Dortmund and Gladbach come out uh, on social media in support of the players very strongly. We saw Marco Rosa talking about the fact that uh, the club fully supported Marcus Turam in this. It seems as if they are not isolated um, and singled out, if you will, in, in, in making these statements, even though, of course, 
by the letter of the law, they do violate the uh, German FA protocol and might still be sanctioned for it. Um, Christoph, how did you um, evaluate uh, what, what we saw this weekend? I, I would have hoped that the, the referee, um, for example, that gave Jaden Sancho a yellow card because he... He showed its support for George Floyd and and uh, and had this anti-racist uh, gesture. That, that yeah, that he would have looked in the other direction, uh, 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 pretending not seeing it. Because um, I, I I understand to a degree that this kind of message that uh, the authorities uh, want that uh, that you, you don't have uh, political messages every weekend. But I think there is something deeply humanitarian in this and and i think the reaction you already mentioned show that everybody has the feeling it's it's not this kind of political issue that stands against another political position and so on but there is this expression of of a, a deep humanitarian concern and and you you easily understand it from uh, from 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 black players that they identify with the situation that they saw on their smartphones on their computers and 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 that shocked them and frustrated them and and i think everybody um everybody can see and under understand it and um, and i think it's good that uh, also the the coaches and clubs did uh, we should uh, perhaps say in the defense of the referee involved that he showed the yellow card because Jen Sancho had taken off his shirt rather than, I think, the message itself. Um, but uh, your, your wider point is, of course, is of course right. Um, what what I find interesting as well is that it seems to me as if um, this is a lot more genuine and therefore a lot more resonant than, for example, the um, collective kneeing we saw by Hertha mm -hmm. in uh, 2017, which felt very alien. And no one really responded to it at the time in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, and I think what we've seen as well is that kind of wider support for it. And I think you're absolutely right, you know, the way the clubs have responded uh, to what has happened. It's interesting in terms of the way it's being reported as well. The reporting of it seems to be largely positive. Uh, from my uh own media experience it's a really interesting one with protests of any kind because some of the organizations that I work for the the blanket policy is generally that any protest any message of any kind um, you don't really make reference to it uh, and that kind of kicked in for me Uh, when I did the radio commentary of the Paderborn Dortmund game, uh, and I didn't really make reference to what Jaden Sancho uh, and later Ashraf Hakimi had done. And I feel now, having looked back on that, uh, that's something I should have done. I should have made reference to it and I should have reported what they did at the time. But yeah, I think you're right, Rafa. I think there is a feeling that it is genuine. It was interesting listening to or seeing the social media post uh, of Hernan Crespo who, of course, was a former uh, teammate of Marcus Turam's father, Lillian, at Parma. Uh, and he was kind of tweeting his pride that Marcus Turam has grown up into a young man that has that civic pride and has that civic duty and feels that he has to use his platform uh, in what he feels is a positive way. So I think that was a good thing to see as well. Now, the, the, the odd one out here, if you will, is Schalke, unfortunately, again, because they remain silent, um, as far as I can tell. Uh, I didn't see any tweets 
leads in support of Weston McKenney. It's perhaps more difficult if you don't win, unlike Gladbach and Dortmund, but actually have another defeat. And McKenney, of course, getting substituted on the verge of a of a sending off. But still, um, I thought it was quite interesting and, and maybe telling that Schalke remained silent. Perhaps, this is just my interpretation, out of fear for being seen as hypocrites, because we know, of course, that Clemens Tönnies, their um, chairman of the advisory board, is back in the job, having made some very dodgy um, racist comments about Africans. Uh, after three months suspension, he's back in the job, and I think it's perhaps more difficult for a club to to make the point. But at the same time, I think perhaps has made it even more of a stand as far as McKenney is concerned and knowing all the backstory that Schalke have to deal with. You're making a good point here. Um, I, I think if if you're uh, the social media manager of Schalke, you, you, you have all this in the back of your mind. And in the end, you say, okay, let, let's stay away from, uh, from that because exactly what you're saying, you're in a terrible situation sporting-wise. Weston McKinney uh, had not was one of the, his best games. And, and then you had in the... Uh, the Clemens uh, Tonya story that I, I think that that is also part of this uh, what I said in the beginning toxic thing about Schalke 04 so that you think in the end uh, okay um, uh, 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 try to forget about it okay before we go we shouldn't forget about Werder Bremen showing signs of life they've been uh, very good since the restart uh, two very important wins Uh, the latest one coming, um, as we said, at Schalke. What has changed? Why is this team that looks so abject and dysfunctional suddenly playing some decent stuff, or at least, you know, keeping uh, clean sheets and and looking halfway um, like a Bundesliga side again, Kevin? I think partially confidence, because I think for most of the season they've played without confidence and they've played with a lot of fear. I think Florian Kofeld has managed to inspire them and I think a big part of that was actually that press conference where he um, answered back to his critics there have been a lot of former Werder Bremen players who have been calling for him to be removed who've said that uh, he's taking the team nowhere and that they can't really go forward uh, with him at the helm and he said no I believe that I am the best man uh, for the job I am the best man to lead us out of danger uh, and I think we've seen some really gritty performances. If you look at the game at Freiburg, yes, they rode their luck a little bit towards the end. Jerzy Pavlenka had a magnificent display and there was a an equaliser late on that was ruled out, rightly so, but it was a really marginal call. Uh, I thought they were excellent against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Really, really good. Uh, played with a bit of structure, played with a bit of threat in attack and if they'd taken their chances in the second half, uh, they would have won the game. And I think from the get-go in Gelsenkirchen, They played with a, a freedom and a confidence which just hasn't been there. We talk about teams sometimes who've overperformed in the first half of the season, uh, regressing to the mean. Uh, maybe teams like Union, who, who put lots of points on the board, maybe we're getting back to what their proper level is. I think Werder are doing that, but in the other direction, because they've actually always been a talented squad who should be nowhere near the relegation battle. And now finally, we're starting to see some of that quality show through. And finally, I think their injuries clearing up has been a big deal as well. I've been talking to a, a Borussia Mönchengladbach player after they played at Bremen. And he told me um, that he was quite impressed by 
Florian Kofeld being a, a kind of one man crowd in the stadium because he he was saying it's 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 pretty difficult if you stay there very exposed and that also goes for for the stuff and so on because with everything you're saying and shouting uh, can be heard from everyone uh, at the at the TV and he 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 was really impressed by him being this kind of constant uh, uh, force from outside trying to help these players uh, trying to push him uh, to, to push them and uh, trying to give them a, a helping hand and maybe that's that's a tiny bit also of the story of the recovery of uh, Werder Bremen uh, but at least I, I think it's a it's a it's a big piece of the uh, Florian Kofeld uh, story of a man who is uh, actually uh, uh, pretty brave. I mean, uh, I, I didn't found his, his comment on uh, that he is the, the, the best man for Werder Bremen. I didn't found, uh, found him arrogant or, or uh, uh, over the top or, or whatever. I, I think it, it was meant in a, in, a, in a more concrete way that he was able to deal with the situation right now. But yeah, maybe he 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 is able to turn things round around, and maybe they get to the third uh, uh, place from the bottom, and and we have a relegation against Hamburg. <laughs> I think <laughs> now that would be fun. I think there's just one final thing on Kofel from me. I think it's always really interesting when you listen to other coaches talk about a coach. And if you listen to Christian Strike, he was saying that the people who've been criticising Kofelt. He said it's almost as if they don't speak before they pick up the microphone. And he said, I, I can't accept any of that criticism. And you listen to Julian Nagelsmann, who's, you know, like Kofelt, one of the younger coaches in the league, the way he talks about Kofelt. And he's very complimentary as well. And there are tactics guys that I've spoken to who say he's incredibly adept uh, with the changes he makes in games and the things that he does. So I, I think there's a lot of goodwill towards Kofelt, but obviously he needs those results to go with it. He absolutely does does uh, with the win against Frankfurt in their game in hand on Wednesday Bremen could uh, as Christoph said climb into 16th spot and that would be the relegation playoff place Florian Kohfeldt cannot think of a better manager for Werder Bremen I certainly can't think of having had better guests on the pod than uh, you Christoph and Kevin thank you for coming on thank you listener for for listening and we'll catch up with you again next week bye-bye